Hey listeners, welcome to the Ant and the Leg podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Kurtney with us, who's a true believer that all things are possible through grit, skills, and courage. She's the host of You're Not Qualified podcast and a product professional at Meta. Her podcast highlights the amazing people who are making the world a better place, but are traditionally unqualified for the way they are contributing. Whenever Kurtney is not working or recording, she loves to hike, drink beer or wine with friends, read about World War II, and explore the world with her partner and a miniature schnauzer puppy, James. So without further ado, let's jump straight into the show. Hey Kurtney, welcome to the Antelect Podcast. It's great to have you here. I know you have been pretty busy uh, in the last week, but thanks for doing this and thanks for being on the show to share your journey. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's really exciting talking to you across the world. Yep, definitely. Um, so I think uh, I think the best way to start this is, I think, with your journey. Because when I was doing my research for this podcast, I came along um, certain um, anecdotes, which I really wanted to ask you about. Um, so basically you graduated with a degree in English literature and now you are into uh, products at Meta. So can you share how you crafted that journey and like how did you got where you are currently? And then we can probably start with your university days uh, and then slowly move towards your progression and learnings within the corporate world which led you to Meta. And then feel free to highlight any milestones or any pivotal moments that you have in this uh, amazing and inspiring journey. Yeah, let's uh, let's start with about 10 years ago, and I'll try to give as abridged version as I possibly can here, but that's kind of when it started. Um, I was a barista for about five years, and I moved to Seattle as a barista with Whole Foods Market, and this was about 10 years ago. I had no idea what a tech industry company was. I didn't understand tech. Um, I you know, was studying literature at the time, and I was still in school taking online classes. I was physically going to school in Kansas, but moved around a lot and ended up in Seattle, still taking classes online. Uh, I started dog sitting while I was at Whole Foods as a barista. I started dog sitting through a company called Rover.com, and Rover.com is based in Seattle. They now have a few other headquarters, but at the time it was only Seattle headquarter. And I was falling in love with it. And then I also was trying to branch out and become a freelance writer on the side. So I eventually quit my job as a barista and I was trying to do full-time writing with dogs sitting on the side. I found out that I'm not very great at crafting my own um, journey in terms of getting paid as only a freelancer. I was not good at balancing my time. So I ended up dog sitting more and more and more just to pay the bills. And then I started dog walking and I, uh, found out that the rover.com headquarter office needed an in-office dog walker for the dogs that people bring to the office with them, the people that are working at HQ. And I jumped on the opportunity. And so I started dog walking for them on their own platform. And through there, 
Uh, this was really like a big milestone for me that I didn't know at the time, but through that, the product manager that was in charge of the dog walking portion of the company would come and ask me an interview with him to understand how I structure my business. And they then used some of my experiences to craft their formal dog walking product that they offered, which was pretty cool. Um, but at the time I was still just a contracted dog walker, but I, when I saw the office and I saw the people in the culture, I was like, I need to get in here. So I had no qualifications. I didn't even have my degree yet. So I applied for a customer service role. Um, and which even that I was like barely qualified for, except for that I was a barista, but I like hadn't talked on the phone with people. So it was still a leap for me. I just short of harassed them for the job and I got it. And then I fell in love with that too. And I started to take on as many projects as I possibly could because I was just like hungry to learn. And eventually I moved over to a product marketing position. I realized that I don't like marketing at all. And so I moved out of that into um, a like more uh, community-centered product outreach role. So I was starting to throw dog parties for people in apartment buildings. And they would bring their dogs to these parties that I was hosting on Rover's behalf. And one of those pop-ups was at one of the Facebook offices in Seattle, uh, now Meta, but that at that point, another pivotal moment, I was thinking it would be so cool to work at one of these Fang companies, but I just didn't feel qualified enough to work there. Like I looking at people like going about their day, like getting their free food and like their coffee and like stopping by to talk to us. They just felt like they were on a whole other level than me and that I would never reach it. And I made it a personal goal to get into a Fang company basically that day. And I started to devour more information where I could. I learned SQL, um, which was a really pivotal skill to, to uh, learn. And then after five years at that company and like another year at another company, short stint, I was applying for jobs at Facebook and I didn't think I would ever get in. And then about, I think it was like six months a recruiter contacted me about a role I had never applied for. Um, good on them. They're really good about that. Uh, you know, like looking through the backlog and seeing who has the qualifications or you could probably fit a role. And I interviewed for the position, loved the team, accepted the job. And that was a year ago. Uh, and I still don't feel qualified to be there, but I do a little bit more and more. And I work on the, the business product team for commerce. So I'm with the, the team that is like doing Facebook shopping and Facebook live shopping. And uh, it's really exciting and I love it, but it's also really humbling. I mean, I went from walking people's dogs in an office to saying, I really want to get somewhere and um, put my head down and I'm there. <laughs> great, great. It's such an inspiring story because um, I think, I mean, I personally know a very few people like uh, when I'm talking to people who are in like in doing similar things as you, they, they have like a very structured background, like they went to, uh, they graduated with a 
economics, science degree, and then probably went to grad school or didn't go to grad school. Progress their work. Uh, they, they started in a similar role, progressed and reached uh, you know, where you are currently. But then I think your story is, uh, is, is probably an anecdote that anything can, can, is possible because a you know, couple of years, if you look backwards, you were doing a completely different thing. Uh, but then you were able to transform it, utilize those experiences in, in a way that they, uh, they made you progress towards where, where your goals were and where you, where you wanted to be, right? Um, and I think uh, we'll go to, the, to, to your podcast in a bit, but um, I, I, I can sense that why did you start that podcast, right? Because, um, like you, like generally, people would say that you know you're not qualified for this role because you didn't have the traditional way. But then you broke all the barriers. You, uh, you know, just made your way up to 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 the product role at at Meta, which which really uh, screams that you know anything is possible, and you're definitely qualified if you are motivated and really aligned to do something. So that's 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 a very inspiring journey, at least for me, and I think to to a lot of other people who listen to this podcast. So that's great. Um, moving ahead to the podcast, it's it's really interesting when a when a podcast host is on this uh, on the episode because it really. I mean, I am very excited to ask them a lot of questions around this whole uh, podcasting. They set up how 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 do they grow their podcast or monetize their podcast and how do they find guests and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. this is this one bit was very interesting for me when I was doing the research. Um, but but we'll, we'll start with the roots, basically. Um, can you share, like, when did you start your, uh, start your podcast? How did you get this idea? Like, how did you get that nudge that, you know, I should start something uh, which kind of relates with my journey? Uh, with the podcast yeah i had okay so the podcast i started in november of 2021 Mm -hmm. um it's uh maybe yeah six-ish months old if that and i had the idea though for probably maybe about two years now and I, i the idea i had was i was told since i was little that if I'm not naturally good at something, I just shouldn't do it. And it, that is very much so very wrong now that I I know that, but I grew up just feeling like, okay, I don't have a science background. I literally cry over my math homework when I have to do it. So I have no business being in um, any sort of like science science realm or like with the people that sit at the table of conservation, which I'm really passionate about. Um, and I wanted to be like a marine biologist, but didn't every kid um, in the, in the nineties. And I was told by, you know, parents who meant well, because they wanted me to be successful and teachers that would say, "Eh, like, you're not very good at math. Maybe you should just take only the bare basics of what you need to graduate and then that's it uh rather than say 
okay, frame your journey from another way, which is an idea for the podcast of this is the North star I want to get to. This is the goal that I want. And what are the skills that I need to learn or how can I frame what I've already learned to get myself there? Like, how can I restructure it to, because you do have the qualifications that you need. They sometimes are just buried in it all and you just don't know it. Right. Like Asha talked a lot about, we both talked to Asha and she's somebody that was super inspirational as well in terms of skill building and transferable skills. And it's so true. Like that is what it's all about. And I, about two years ago, I was like, I absolutely feel like this is missing for a lot of people. And I want people to know that they can do whatever they want. It just is going to take maybe a little bit more work. It's going to take reframing the story. Um, Yeah. So I was uh, really, my intention was to show other people that hopefully sooner than I figured it out if they have an idea of what they want to do, whether it be a career, whether it be a cool hobby, um, anything that they think would make an impact on other people or an impact as a positive change in the world, and they feel like they can't do it because of their background, I wanna prove them otherwise. So I was trying to figure out what kind of platform I wanted for it. Should it be a book? Um, You know, like I have a literature background. I'm not a bad writer. I probably could do that. Uh, but then I was thinking it just came to me one day walking the dog. I think that it would be really impactful to interview other people who have similar stories of the wrong college degree for what they're doing, or they like really have a background that has nothing to do with what they're doing now. Um, and I was like, okay, I think this is a podcast. Never thought I'd make a podcast, but let's go. And I noodled on it for a little bit. I was really intimidated by it because I didn't know where to start. Uh, You know, you need a website, you need a presence, you need a brand. And I'm like, I don't even like marketing. So how am I going to do this? But got down to it, um, you know, ordered all of the things, like bought the website, got all that stuff up and running. I thought that it would be difficult to get people on to talk about their journeys, but that's been very rewarding and amazing that so many people have really inspiring journeys and really cool just stories of how they got to where they are that have nothing to do with what they're doing. And then once I started getting a couple of people interested to come on the podcast, I was like, okay, now I do have a pretty good baked idea here because this is absolutely something that is a thing. And I can't be the only one that thought that you couldn't do something because of what you went to school for. Um, and yeah, that's where, that's where it came from. It's hopefully inspiring to other people. If I'm being honest, I did it partially to inspire myself (laughs) because yeah, because it's, uh, my journey is I, I love product. I want to stay in product. Um, I now have my college degree. I actually finally graduated 11 years after I tried to get it and I finally have it, but uh, it's in literature and I got it just to have it basically because I don't need it for what I'm doing, which is kind of a cool idea. But my end goal is to be in conservation tech in a product team at like a conservation company. And so I'm not there yet, but I know that even though I don't have a science background, I will be able to get there through transferable skills through hard work, through networking. So many things matter more than your background. 
got it got it that's that's amazing we'll we'll go to uh con- the conservation piece in a bit and we'll also come towards some podcast centric questions but one thought which was circling in my mind since since some time uh you mentioned asha right who mm-hmm. you have also talked to on your podcast and she was on ad like as well um and she wrote this book skills uh, which which revolves around the concept of transferable skills right i think what so when i was going through your profile um so i think somewhere in your linkedin you mentioned that uh so you, your experience uh, as a barista right talking to your, talking to customers face to face uh every day uh on a regular basis so you utilize that to get that get the customer service job right so that's one sort of transferable skills and i'm i'm very sure that you have used the same concept at every stage that you progressed to within mm-hmm. uh, rover and within meta right so i think i think that's 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 i think a great anecdote for people who really want to see that even though they don't have like formal training they don't have valid work experience they can definitely definitely apply and get through positions which technically they are not qualified for right mm-hmm. um so so that's that's one uh, great thing um uh, i also had a few questions which i really wanted to ask you around your podcast uh just to know how how you structure it and then what's your process like um so probably somebody listening to this podcast if they are planning to start their own podcast or they're already a podcaster they might benefit from that as well so mm-hmm. initially when you started and now um when you're when you're thinking about a new episode how do you find guests which probably have a similar journey than yours um are there people that you know from your personal or professional network or you reach out to people outside your network uh twitter instagram how do you how, what's the process like yeah it is it's mostly reaching out to people i don't know so i've used three different avenues to find guests one which has been the most fruitful is a awesome website that's free called matchmaker.com yeah um and that has led to many people you basically just put your profile up for anybody that is looking for guests on a podcast you put what your podcast is about and people contact you about why they want to be on and why their uh, journey is a good fit and then you can reach out to them and set up something to talk uh the second is i cold email people on linkedin so when i was first starting out before i knew about matchmaker i was literally scouring people's linkedin profiles looking for what they were doing now and then what they went to college for <laughs> and if it was vastly different i would contact them uh and my first guest ever chris butler stroud he is a chief executive at whale and dolphin conservation which is um I'm like basically I want your job <laughs> and I also want to talk to you about your job and he was amazing and I just linked in him and he got back to me um and then uh, in the social media aspect you reached out to me on Twitter so that's an avenue I actually didn't think about until you reached out to me and I was like I should use Twitter too <laughs> so now I'm going to use Twitter as well but uh the other is uh very slim because it's only one person but i've reached out to one woman that i knew prior uh tanya and she was a couple episodes episodes ago on the ai tech episodes i did a two parter on that and she was the first one 
and I, I knew her. Oh, good. They're yeah. one. Of, they're two of my favorites. Honestly, I love yeah, them. They were great. Yeah. Um, and she's also somebody who, before, let's see, I reached out to her probably three years ago because I wanted a mentor. Um, her background's in writing, and now she's a product director at a conservation tech company. So also, I want her job, but I also wanted to pick her brain. Um, and when I say water job, like I don't want to yeah, get yeah. them out of their position, but like I want An to ideal role, right? be them. Yes. Yeah. Like that's my ideal role. And so I kind of, uh, took her on as a mentor in a way. And then I asked her to be on the podcast and she, um, was, she's amazing and she was happy to do it, but that's, yeah, it's like, uh, a lot of all of that. Um, but the most successful really has been put it out there and see who's interested to come on because it's the most bang for your buck and LinkedIn scouring while it's brought me really amazing people. It's much more time consuming. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I can understand. I like, uh, I think 50% of my guests um, come from LinkedIn others 30, 40 come from Twitter. And then I also used a matchmaker previously. Uh, it's, it's great. It's, it's awesome um that's that's good talking about the guests so you i think you you mentioned that you are on your 23rd episode so mm -hmm. talking to 23 amazing people i had to ask you this like what have been your top most learnings on the podcast um because you you interact with these amazing people who have done uh have so much success in in their lives and then they have mm -hmm. slightly different stories than most other people would have so do you have certain anecdote stories that have created a lasting impact on you even though you had a similar journey but still did something really ring to or added to what your journey was while talking to them i absolutely have honed in on the overwhelming um trend for all of these is all of these wonderful individuals i've talked to is always ask a lot of questions and don't be afraid that you don't know something. I, when I was younger, really only until, I don't even know, five years ago, maybe, maybe even less than that, I was afraid to ask questions because I was afraid that it showed that I didn't know what I was doing and that I didn't know what I was talking about. But all of these people got to where they are because they humbly admitted that they don't know and they want to learn and they are just voraciously seeking knowledge. And that's, that's probably the biggest takeaway I've had is don't be afraid, ask the questions. And also Tanya has um, a, a personal mantra of the Tanya Steer from the episode for AI Tech of don't ever walk away from somebody asking me to do something without understanding exactly what the task is. Like, don't assume that I know what I'm being asked to do and ask questions, ask questions. And oh, even if it's like getting to the point where it's annoying, but if you don't understand, keep getting to the root of it to understand. And that does a couple of things, right? It helps you be more confident in taking away that project or whatever it is to do a better job. But it also shows them that you really care to get it right. And that will, that will outweigh the annoying of you keep on asking a question. And especially if you encounter them later on in your life and your career journey, they'll be able to say, oh, she or he always makes sure that they know what they're, they're doing. Like, 
they and they will deliver something that you ask. So that's those are probably the main ones. Um, and as like as like a maybe a little bit too heartfelt, but maybe like kind of sappy. The other one is absolutely always just believe in yourself and don't take no for an answer. Just always, always believe that you have what it takes. And if you seriously do not have what it takes, like there is a technical skill that you really need that's setting you back, just learn it, right? Like if you feel that you can't accomplish something that you're going after, break down what it is that you want, what like your main career goal is, write out all of the skill sets that you're finding on everybody else's LinkedIn profiles or in the job description that they have these skill sets and pinpoint a couple to learn. It would just, if it only to build confidence in yourself, like say it's a coding language, mm -hmm. learn that on your off time and then apply for the job with the skill that you learned. Make sure you mentioned that you taught yourself. You know, it's, it's those little things that matter a lot and you can apply for jobs that you're not 100% qualified for, especially for all the women out there. You can apply for a job if you're 20% qualified, <laughs> just do it. I've done it and it works. Just learn a couple skills and you will, you'll move mountains. It really, it's, it's not as uh, daunting as it sounds. It's very doable. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. Th those are great tips. Uh, definitely for somebody who's, who want, who's looking to break that barrier and really want mm -hmm. to progress in their, uh, future, uh, self. Um, that's great. Um, one slightly related question, but I had to ask you because you have such an interesting story. Um, so I have faced this before, and I think a couple of my friends, uh, have also faced this before. And I'm sure you also have, might have realized when you were looking for new roles and stuff. So mostly when you read, when you're looking for a job um, and you kind of came, come across a, a role that, that you really desire, the job description really has these things very specific that you probably should have some experience or some degree in that particular field. So let's say I'm applying for a product manager job 99% of these descriptions would ask you to have two, three, four, five years of prior work experience as a product manager or an MBA or, or whatnot, right? Um, so how do, you, how do you navigate a to apply for that role? And then when you are being interviewed, how do you convince, let's say the hiring manager that, you know, even though you don't have that experience, you still, can learn or you can showcase certain abilities which will make you ready to perform well in that role? Mm, that's such a good question. Um, <clears throat> I can use an example from when I was trying to leave the company that I was at prior to Meta. I was applying to be a product operations specialist for another company and I was interviewing at the same time with Meta. They, this was a pioneer role for them. They needed somebody to come in and really like take the reins and move it along. I had only about two, three years of product experience at that time. And it required, I think like four or five. Mm -hmm. And they did ask me that in the interview of um, basically, do you have enough work experience to take on without handholding? 
to just run with this position and build it into something that we need. Um, I obviously in my background did not because they can count the years I've been doing this, but they still, one thing I will hone in on that's really important to remember, they still contacted you about the role yeah. to interview you. They can count how many years of experience I have. They might drill you about it, but they, <clears throat> excuse me, they absolutely know how much you have and they still see something in you. But I think what they're looking for is how you can talk about it in a way that frames making up for a couple years of lost experience. And in my, <clears throat> in my humble, excuse me, in my humble opinion, years of experience don't negate the quality of experience that you have. Like it, it, I feel like they should be hand in hand quality in years, but that's how I framed it. I was like, okay, well, yes, I don't have the years of experience, but I can tell you two different problem sets that I've had to deal with in the last month and how I handled it. And you can tell me if you think that that's good enough for you. Basically, obviously I wasn't that blunt, but about that, like whereabouts of the question. And told them, okay, this is the problem I was trying to solve. This is how I went about it. Very detailed into, okay, I drew up a SQL query and I looked for keywords for something I was trying to look for. And I literally audited a bunch of cases for this keyword and determined if something was a problem or not because of customer comments. You know, it was like, it was really kind of a stretch, but and this was talking to the director of product for their company. I told him exactly what I did. And then another problem set that I did. And he was like, said it back to me. And he was like, that's actually a really good idea for what you use to accomplish this. And he was like, it seems like you know what you're doing. You're a hire for me. And I was like, awesome. So I reframe it. I don't have these years but I can walk you through a story that I know how to think like I have these years, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. um, so never be afraid to bring what you have to the table in terms of, you might not have the years of experience, but you have critical thinking skills. You have, I can think outside of the box to solve a problem. You have the drive to reach a solution no matter how difficult the problem is. And yeah. you can talk to people, right? Like cross collaboration is really important. So you also won't work on the problem alone. You're never gonna have to work alone. You can always ask for help. You can Google something. Um, and don't be afraid to say that either, right? Like I can ask for help. I can go to the internet for help. It's, you're never actually alone. They are hiring you as a team yeah. with other people usually. Um, so yeah, just reframe it, always reframe it, but reframe it to their benefit, right? Like if you can even use something where they have a specific problem that they're trying to solve and they tell you that, mm -hmm. then you can say, this is how I would approach it, or this is how I've approached a similar problem in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that really, that was the game changer for me is just the reframe and how I can help you and how I overall don't take no for an answer, whether it's getting this job or whether it's getting to the problem you're trying to solve. Great, great. So, so basically to summarize it, if, if they actually have uh, invited you for an interview for a role, which probably is one or two uh, levels above, uh, I'd say, 
your experience and like your your job during the interview is to make them understand that what you have done before you you have stretched that barrier uh, a lot of a couple of times in your previous role right so mm-hmm. let's say there is a situation or that let's say there is a problem which um requires you to, you to think like somebody like someone who has 6 7 8 years of experience you can do that that situation won't arrive every day but it might arrive at at certain point of time and you can take that stress you can take that chance uh, and actually solve that problem so mm-hmm. i think uh, that's what uh, is uh, is i think what you're uh, trying to say right which Absolutely. is which is i think a great technique to to nail these interviews because they they, they really try to stress test you at at certain point of time they do and yeah if you have that preconceived notion that this is something which i not qualified for or i don't have the skills so you might sort of lag but then the technique that you told is is very helpful during those times yeah it's it is a it's kind of like a game i guess you yeah. just got to play the game definitely and they they wouldn't contact you if they didn't think that you would be a good fit so that they get you in the interview because they want to make sure you're even a good culture fit maybe it's down to that yeah um and then talk through any gaps that they might see as a gap but it's not enough of a gap not to waste their time on talking to you makes sense makes total yeah. sense cool <clears throat> um so let's progress to something i think you're very very passionate about um which i picked up from from again your linkedin i might have would have missed it if i would not have paid too much attention to uh your uh bio on linkedin but i'm glad that i picked that up so uh you run this initiative known as it's a beach cleanup initiative which is known as beach please clean up Mm-hmm. that's the tag on the instagram so that's 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 a nice name um so can you share more about this initiative which i think you started with your friend uh uh maria and then how did this idea came along when did you like when did you start being very uh concerned or passionate about environment beaches in general uh and then how often do you con- conduct these beach cleanups and do you have a team which which goes about it how do you do that yeah so the idea came <clears throat> when i uh let's say i've been doing it for about a year now a little over a year okay. but i've always been passionate about conservation and keeping areas clean um especially water cleanliness uh Uh, when I was little, I wanted to be a marine biologist, you know, and so it's kind of never left me in terms of um, how can I get involved in ways where I don't need to use a degree. And I kind of am always thinking about those kinds of aspects. My friend Maria and I had chatted about doing beach cleanups because Seattle has a lot of beaches for a while. And she finally, about a year ago, was like, I think we should make this happen. and i was like it is time you're right let's do this and we just made an instagram um started asking friends to join us we go out once a month at a different beach in seattle every month we let people choose like if they want to come and they have an idea of a beach to clean that's near them we will travel to that beach but it's uh 
it's really fun. We go out for like two hours at a time. And the idea is to get the community involved. It's really exciting. We found some really nutso things. Like we found a whole sectional of a couch one time on a beach that we literally picked up and drugged in the dumpster. So it, it's like a good workout too <laughs> if you're looking for that. But it's also a way to get out and enjoy beautiful beaches on a Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. And the uh, growth of it has been pretty cool. Sometimes we have like 12, 15 people that come out and like friends of friends will tell friends. And so people come out that I've never met before and people will contact me on LinkedIn that they see it in my bio or something. Cause they're, you know, just looking at profiles and they're like, I'm in Seattle. Can I join? I'm like, yes, please. Um, so it's, it's going to be hopefully like continuing to be a few people. Sometimes it's two or three, but we usually get more than just the two of us out. Mm -hmm. I mean, three people is great. We would do it with just the two of us. Um, and then we measure the trash, like weigh it, just guesstimate. And we put it online how much it is. Um, but it is a way to give back when I don't yet have the exact position that I'm going for. I don't know if you can tell that I'm like a really, uh, I've always been this way where like I have an idea and I'm like, I need to get there no matter how long it takes me to get there. So that's, I have to be really careful about what I'm passionate about because I will just like run myself ragged trying to get there. But it's just one of those where it's a little bit less time consuming and it, it fulfills the need in me to give back to the community and give back to ocean cleanliness in a very tangible way until I can contribute through my career. Wow. That's, that's great. I think uh, you, you like probably you're working on such an important thing um, and doing your bit to uh, like contribute in conservation, keep the beaches hygienic, clean, mm -hmm. pristine. So that's, that's, I think a great story. Um, so I've, I've, I've tra traveled, I don't say a lot, but a bit before the pandemic been to a few beaches here in India, uh, outside as well. Um, I mean, when I see uh, a beach which is not clean, a thought that comes to my mind is uh, that how do we solve for the problem that, you know, like, how do we encourage people to, how do we teach them, you know, basic beach hygiene and like not to litter around? Have you ever thought about that problem? Like how, how do we solve for the root cause uh, in that case? I love that question. I'm, uh, I love asking root cause things everywhere, wherever I can. Like, can we just solve this at the root so that it's not a problem anymore? Yeah. To be honest, Kinchuk, I think it's really, the problem is so much bigger than an individual person. It's the reason I say that is because overwhelmingly what we see out there is styrofoam and plastic. Mm -hmm. And the root of that would be producing those things and mm -hmm. producing less and going towards more sustainably, even recycled materials like glass, you know, things that can be reused and reused and reused, whereas plastic can't. And styrofoam is just so annoying because it just breaks off into tiny little pieces. And then obviously yeah. the marine life will eat it. But the root of it absolutely would be I feel like more and very like treading lightly on this, but more um, 
surveillance basically over companies that are creating this waste and less of it to be produced at the level above that um that is the consumer taking in this we really do especially maria she's much better at this than i am but don't buy plastic items only buy things that are in reusable containers or in glass, or you bring your own container, like the waste-free stores. So if people come up to us when they have, which is a cool question that you have because people have come up and they're like, I would love to get involved in something like this. I don't have the time to come out on a Sunday. Like I have to spend it with my kids or what have you, but like, um, what do you think we could do? And it's like, oh, use less plastic or, just try to really reduce um, waste in overall and properly dispose of your waste. So don't leave something out. Like we, we've gone around a couple of just lakes that are landlocked lakes in Seattle and people will use their to-go containers and come out for a picnic, um, which is really beautiful idea, but then they'll leave them. Right. And sometimes they'll leave these containers that are compostable, but they still are like going to get into the lake. And that's yeah. not necessarily the process that's intended for a compostable container. So compost correctly, if it's available in your area, recycle, reduce the use of plastic, but really it comes down to just producing less of it. There's just like painstakingly amount of plastic out there and it drives me insane. But I mean, I buy plastic too. Like I like berries like the to eat and they only come in plastic containers yeah like there's no I can go berry picking but that's seasonal yeah you know so it's like it's you can't be perfect but you can try to do a little little bit more yeah I can I can totally relate I think um probably we can uh look on look on ways where, where we can reuse those containers and stuff like that um I I was listening to this podcast a couple of years back and I still remember uh, there's one story in which um, some someone who lives in a like near a remote beach in, in Thailand uh, and they were on this mission that they want to 100% recycle or reuse whatever they bring into their homes. So a couple of people went there, uh, interviewed that guy and what they saw was that that guy was reusing even the tea bags that, that they can, he was not throwing them away. He would do throwing away the tea bags as well. So his household was like no trash was going out of his household. Except, amazing. Uh, you know, things that you have to throw. I mean, no non-compostable trash was going out. So that was, that was really good. And I think, I think with your story as well, if you're, if you, let's say able to like someone who you don't know, a new person joins the Beach Cleanup Initiative, you're actually uh, making them and probably their closest circle a bit more concerned about the environment and the beaches, right? So you're actually doing yeah. a great job there. So Thank you. Like, more power to you on that and hopefully you'll grow in, in the months and years to come. Uh, really good great job on that part thank you um i don't know if you have seattle listeners but i mean i'm a seattle listener of yours so if there are any if we go out 
uh, monthly this this month we're going out on Earth Day. Um, Earth Day is a Friday, so we're going out the following day, but Earth Weekend. So awesome. you should come out. Go to Beach Please Clean Up. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'll uh, I'll link the Instagram in the show notes, so anybody who's curious can take a look. Uh, but that's great. Um, cool. That this brings us to like the fun bit of the podcast. I'm sure mm-hmm. you'll you'll enjoy the questions that are about to come. Um, I took a bit a bit of time to decide on what should I ask, ask you in this, um, but I think I have a lineup of some great interesting questions there. Um, so from from our previous conversation, uh, I got to know that you recently got a puppy. Mm-hmm. How's the experience been? Uh, what's the name, and then how's the experience been so far? Um, oh man, he is the bundle of joy. I love him so much. So my puppy's name is James. Mm-hmm. He is a miniature schnauzer. Um, his coloring is what they call liver pepper. So he is like a brownish gray with white. He's very stinking cute, and he knows it. <laughs> but I've had him for about a month, so he's uh, 14 weeks today, actually. Mm-hmm. And he is, um, <clears throat> it's been, <clears throat> excuse me, it's been a great experience, especially within the last couple of weeks. It's amazing how fast they learn. So I had a schnauzer before him for 14 years and love of my life. And I, he passed away in August. So my partner and I got this puppy. And the first thing that worried me about him was he seemed to be really anxious around strangers, like new people, anybody knew, Mm -hmm. but he was taking it out in like a fear aggression way. Like he would growl and bite. And I'm like, you are literally 11 weeks old. How do you even know what aggression is? Like, why are you biting? This is weird. And it wasn't even play biting. It was like, I'm going to get you biting. Like, don't touch me. And that was worrisome, but we are just like bombarding him with social situations now. So we take him to like breweries and bars and he's in like three different puppy classes and he now loves other dogs and he's met, I don't even know, like dozens of people over the weekend and he was nice to all of them. So it was like, we're making progress. And this is all to say that puppies' minds are really malleable. So if you have a puppy and you're really frustrated, just know, keep on working on it and then they'll start to get it. Like they're smart. They want to please you as well. And they, they're just learning their world. Right. And they're trying to learn what's good to do, but, um, yep. James 14 weeks, beautiful little baby. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think your previous experience with dogs, uh, would definitely have been, you know, training them. And I think he'll be cared for really, really well because you have been with dogs in so many years. Like, so I think that's, yeah. I mean, maybe too. Well, now he's like, anytime that I just leave and it's, I feel bad for my boyfriend, but anytime I leave, he'll like howl because mm-hmm. he is sad. But then when my boyfriend leaves, he like, doesn't even notice. So <laughs> like, I think I'm like too doting because you yeah. know, he's like obsessed, but we're both obsessed. So it's okay. Great. Great. That's nice. Um, I wanted to move on <clears throat> to like, know more about, so keeping the beach cleaning activity aside uh, mm-hmm. do you have certain hobbies or mindfulness practices that you probably do on a day- daily basis or a couple of times a week to just to de-stress yourself before or after a long day of work yeah I love um 
working out is something that I've always really loved. And I'm currently training for a couple of big Mountaineer trips. I'm going to go up Mount Baker and Mount Rainier in Washington, um, which are like a couple long day trips or a couple long trips that are a few days. So to clear my head now, what I do, it probably is going to sound insane, but it like makes all of my mental exhaustion go to physical exhaustion, which is something that works really well for me. So I can just uh, then relax after all of it is I like will put on a weighted vest and put the treadmill on 12, 15% incline and just climb for two hours. Um, If it's raining, which is a lot in Seattle, um, if it's not raining, then I'll go run for three or four miles. Um, and that works really well. And then nature is really helpful too. So I'll go out and walk in the woods. Um, and that's, that's usually I've have a personal mantra that I only make life decisions in nature. So if I'm trying to make a big decision about something, I'll go out into the woods and, and ponder on it, um, or wear myself in physically. (laughs) And then I'm, I'm clear of mind. Gotcha. That's that's a great mantra though. I definitely try to experiment with that. Um, I I do like a similar kind of thing where if I'm feeling so I go on walks daily and that's when I listen to podcasts. That's how I fell in love with podcasts and then started my own. So walking is my thing. Uh, and then I recently started weight training as well. But I think walking really helps me to take certain decisions. So if I'm like really stressed out about something. I want a way out. I'll just go for a for a walk, and I'll walk until I have a decision in my head. What the Love next that. step should I take? It might take thirty minutes, an hour, an hour and a half. Doesn't matter, but I'll walk until I have a decision, and then I'll come back. So it really helps me to uh, take certain decisions, which which I think is is great. And yeah, I think I think Seattle has a lot of hiking places, from what I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of colleagues. Because I worked at Amazon and Expedia, both were HQ'd at Seattle. So I had known a couple of colleagues who were there. And then they always tell that they would go on hikes during the weekend, which which is great. Something uh, I don't get living in the middle of a city in India. So that's, I think, great. Um, but I think you do some intense training as well with like weighted treadmill. So that's, that's pretty good. Um, Next, I think, so travel has been my passion and I really try to ask questions around travel uh, mm. to, to the fellow guests. Um, what's your absolute favorite travel destination that you've been to? And then is there anything which is on your bucket list, something you've been thinking about doing, going to, uh, but you have not uh, actually been to? Yeah. Yeah, I think, oh man. So right before the pandemic hit, I finally made it overseas. I'd never been off of the continent of North America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to Europe for two weeks in yeah. October of 2019. And my favorite, it was amazing. We landed in London and then we flew over to uh, Brussels. We rented a car and then we drove all the way down um, around to Italy, around Milan. <clears throat> And then I flew out of there back home, but my favorite spot there was um, absolutely Austria. We went a couple of places in Austria and I fell in love and I've always really loved the German language. And I thought that I would, I really loved Germany, but I loved Austria even more. Uh, and 
that is a place that I want to go back to again um, and spend more time. Uh, And then also very close to that is Prague. I absolutely loved Prague. I can't believe a city like that exists. It's absolutely stunningly beautiful. Um, and then World War II history has always been really interesting to me. And that's just obviously ripe with it, all of those areas. Oh, nice. And yeah. And I think I was actually just looking yesterday at like travel destinations because I've been dreaming, dreaming of beaches. I think we all have. Yeah. But um, I really want to go to the Maldives. Uh, I think that would be the next big one. And then definitely back to um, Eastern Europe for yeah. a more extended period of time. That's, yeah. That's just out of curiosity, where are your places that you really want to visit still? Um, so like I'll tell you my absolute favorite. So I, I went to South Korea in 2018. Uh, that was, that was really amazing because, uh, the experiences I had there because the language was completely different the way you communicate with people on a daily, if you don't know the language, becomes very tough. But it was a really good experience. The way we were able to communicate, even though we didn't know uh, the language, so that was good. And that place was very beautiful and sort of offbeat. Like their travel has progressed in the last couple of years only. Uh, so that, that was great. And it was a really nice experience. Um, Europe is something which I had planned to travel uh, but then the pandemic happened and the plans really never materialized. So that is that is one thing um, I really want to be. I've never been to the States, so I would love to visit uh, US as well when the time comes. But um, probably I'm, I'm still a bit divided between US and, and, and Europe because th- those are two destinations which I've never really explored. So. I'd probably start somewhere. Uh, yeah, yeah. Over the course of my life, probably I can visit most of the places there. Well, Amazon is here in Seattle. Yeah. So you could always come in and visit the office, even like have a double trip, maybe yeah. work a little bit even and extend it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, definitely. you could probably hear the puppy. <laughs> uh, that's great. No issues at all. But yeah, I, I love to travel. And I'll also say that I love to travel domestically as well. Like India has a lot of lot of beautiful places to visit. So I would- Oh, that's love. on my list too. And I yeah. love, love Indian food. It's okay. probably my favorite. What's, so what's the I favorite just... dish? Oh, dal. oh, I love curry. I love, I just love like, especially a good yellow curry, not too spicy with lots of vegetables. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you should. I think it's, it'll be just like the cultural and the whole uh, explosion of ideas that you had in Farag. I, I think you'll probably have it in, in India as well. So Ooh, great. definitely do come if you get a chance. Um, that'll, be, that'll be good. Um, so, yeah, that, that has been uh, uh, what my travel itineraries have been like in the last few years. But that's good. Um, moving to uh, Seattle because I'm, I'm because I've heard so many stories how beautiful the city is and how it's I think one of the, the best cities in uh, probably the US which which I believe and so how long have you been 
in in Seattle? Like, were you born, born in Washington, or nearby areas, or you you moved places in between? Moved places in between. Okay. I've been in Seattle for almost ten years now, okay. but I was born in Minnesota, mm -hmm. which um, is up near the Canadian border. It's pretty cold. Then I moved to uh, California when I was little and then moved to Kansas, which is where I went to start college. Okay. Um, I went to the last two years of high school there and then started college there, moved to Louisiana. I followed a boy to Louisiana <laughs> and then it was too hot for me. I'm not a big fan of the heat mm -hmm. and then moved to Seattle. So I moved around quite a bit. Okay. Uh, and then I think that Seattle's my favorite. Yeah, 10 years is a good time. So. Do you have any recommendations or any go-to places that you go to very frequently, like restaurants, bar, cafes, or anything which is kind of unique to Seattle? Mm, unique to Seattle. That's a hard one. I think unique to Seattle in my view, meaning I didn't have it anywhere else. The proximity to hiking, absolutely. It's like half an hour out of the city and you're in the mountains and that's amazing. But that's, you know, that's a few places around the coast and stuff can have that in the middle of the country. Um, the brewery, the brewery situation here is off the chain. It's amazing. If you like beer, I really okay. like beer. So it's really fun to just like brewery hop on the weekends with mm -hmm. friends and like get like a taster here and there. And then um, breweries and food trucks is I think the best way to spend a weekend if you're not hiking in my opinion uh, with yeah. friends. And I think that's what I really love to do um and they really have good ones here yeah that's great i can remember that because like my manager at expedia who uh used to say that like they have really good food trucks that come outside the office during the lunch hour and you can have mm. some amazing food so she's she's always uh telling that how good the food is outside the food truck so that's that's i think a great great uh thing about seattle mm -hmm. um and yeah, the proximity to hiking is definitely I'm very jealous of because uh, it takes me like three or four hours from where I am to go to the mountains. Wow. So yeah, I, I would love to be that close to nature and go on hikes that frequently. So that's that's great. Um, coming on to, to books, do you, what book do you have on your bedside table currently? Uh, and your top book recommendations, if you have. Mm, love this question. Currently on my bedside table reading every night is All the Light We Cannot See, which is, um, I think it's a Pulitzer Prize winner. It's mm -hmm. actually an incredible um, fictional, I believe, rendition of World War II. <clears throat> so it takes a couple of different people, those that are, um, you know, being, uh, um, those that are on the side of the war that are being uh, like put in camps and all, all of that and like driven out of their homes and facing German occupation. And then also another little boy who's being trained to be in Hitler's armies. Uh, so and a couple little boys that are being trained and that's really interesting. I love it so much. Um, I'm about three fourths of the way through and I, my favorite book of all time and i have a tattoo in um honor of it is frankenstein and it was my favorite book when i was uh going through college it's the only book i think i've ever read where 
I almost sobbed all the way through it and I can't really explain my connection to it, but it was just immediate and amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that my recommendation around that is obviously there's so many amazing contemporary literature books out there, but if you haven't read any historic literature or classic literature that is especially in like the romantic period, um, you know, like late 1800s Europe, please do. It's, it's sometimes a lot to understand the language, um, like how it's written, but it's worth it. Uh, just, yeah, it's it, really old literature is really good. Okay. So do you have any specific book that comes to your mind or generally that the literature of that era would be your recommendation? Like you can pick um, Well, Frankenstein is one of them. Okay. That was written in 1818. And then there's a couple more, uh, one that I also really love that is uh, a little girl heroine. It's called The Mill on the Floss. Oh. Um, also really good. I recommend that one. I think those are the two. Perfect, perfect. Um, talking of the World War II, I read this book once, which I'd probably recommend it to you. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I've read it or not. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. It's by- oh, I haven't heard of that one. Oh, okay. So it's by Victor Frankl, if I'm not wrong. Um, I'm not sure which phase of the World War it it is. Um, It kind of directs to, but I think it's, it has stories about the concentration camps and everything else, how how that all that played out and the suffering people went through. Um, And the way the story really um ties out it's it's it gets quite dark at times uh seeing all the suffering and everything else but then it it eventually portrays that how people who suffered so much still had certain uh had the mindset that they'll you know come out of it and have a meaningful life and then what meanings that they drew from the war and uh, all that suffering it was it was a really good beautiful Yeah, which I would definitely recommend you to read. Um, so that's writing that's that cool. down. The meaning through suffering—that's actually that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, cool. So this this question I got from a podcast. Uh, I won't take credit for that, but it it kind of it really. I was thinking about it when I listened uh, listened to it for the first time, and I thought that I'll put it on my own podcast and ask the guests what they think about it. Um, so it goes something like this, like when, when you're old, uh, and look back on your life, how do you want the people to remember you? Mm, That's, that's beautiful. I would want people to remember the, my drive, but in a way that can inspire them. I mean, I always, I haven't always been so driven, but learning that whatever you want to have, you can have, um, is absolutely a fact. I would love people to take that into their own lives and utilize that in ways that serve them. I also, um, I'd love to be remembered as adventurous and fun. Uh, I, one of my favorite things to do with friends is you know, brewery hop, but also, um, 
one of my best friends and I are going to do Rainier together. So, and that's going to be like a really core memory of mine. I know it. And I, th I think those are the main ones that they can learn from my drive. And then we always had fun together. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's really profound. And also somebody who did something they were not qualified for. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. No, that's many things I'm not qualified for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think you'll be a good idol for someone who can, who they can look forward to, who are at a similar situation that you were probably a couple of years back. Mm -hmm. So I think you can be a good guide for them. And yeah, that's, that's great. That's, that's a really beautiful way to answer this. Um, brings me to probably the end of the episode, but um, this one thing is, is really important because I think it, it's sort of a backbone of this whole conversation and why I really wanted to reach out to you, why I really love what you're doing with the podcast. Um, so it, I think it all revolves around the imposter syndrome, um, probably the feeling that you are not qualified or ready for the job or role activity that you've undertaken. And I know it can be a big roadblock to pro progress in, in, their, in, in careers or in their personal lives as well. Uh, at times because I've been through it personally. I know friends, colleagues, people in my network who go through this uh, every day. So something which I'm really mindful about. Um, I wanted to ask you a very specific question around it because you talk to similar people every day and then you have been through the same journey. Someone who's who's like stuck somewhere or they constantly think that they are not qualified or they're not ready or they don't have the skills to do something. Can you uh, stitch a couple of steps or an actionable strategy or a pathway that they can take, which probably just puts them to the right track, if not uh, lead them to the position or the role that they're looking for, but at least a starting point for them? Yeah, that's great. I... One thing that's really worked for me in terms of very actionable is I um, write down literally uh, what it is that I want, and then I will write down all of the steps that I need to get there to cross off each step. And that could be anywhere from if you want to start a podcast and you don't think that you can, uh, write down all of the things that you need to do, one that unblocks your brain and it puts it all down on paper. And that could be even like start a website, start a social media account, um, you know, hone in on exactly what it is that you want your podcast to be about. And then write all of that down as well and write out a plan. If it's something around career, then one thing that's really worked for me is uh, look at different um, job descriptions, pull out bits, write all of those bits down, and then cross-reference it with your own CV. And, you know, what do you have that exactly attributes to what the qualifications are? And then what are you lacking in terms of skill set? Um, and then if you're worried about those things that you're lacking and you can, you know, be, it kind of, it, it does two things. It encourages you because you're like, oh, I'm more qualified than I thought I was because I can spin this this way or I can spin that that way. And then it also has your list of things that you might want to work on. 
And then from there tangibly say, okay, say that I need to, I use this a lot because SQL is something that I had to learn and I was not good at it at first, but then I was like, I honestly attribute SQL to one of the reasons that I have a product job is because I learned SQL and it's like such a transferable skill. Like everybody's like, can you query? So it's like, okay, I need to learn SQL. And then from there, that's daunting. Like, okay, how do I learn it? Mm -hmm. Set aside an hour on your calendar, maybe once every two days, literally block it off in your calendar, SQL, maybe an hour after work, an hour before you go to bed, an hour in the morning, whenever your time is to learn that skill. Um, And along with that, you can put down resources to learn that skill. So wherever you feel like you might be blocked, like, okay, you can spend the hour, but where do I start? Look it up on YouTube. They have really, you know, basic to advanced. Um, and then take another, another skill, write it down, block off your calendar for a time that you're going to learn that skill or block off your calendar for a time that you want to reach out to somebody else that you want to learn from. Um, write it down and then action item, block off your calendar to work on that action item or things that really helped for me. And then build the, build whatever set you want off of that. And then you can see the progression. And um, if you're an Excel sheet type person, you can also do it all there and kind of gamify it. Wow, that's that. Those are really good tips. Uh, I've noted them down myself because I'm <laughs> sure I'll use it uh, at different stages in my career. But thanks for that. I think those are very detailed and very uh, impactful tips that probably anybody can uh, adopt uh, to really break through within their careers or their personal professions life. That's that's great. That brings us to probably the end of the conversation. It was really, really a pleasure to talk to you and have you on the show. I think you're doing some amazing work with, with your podcast, really making people believe that they can do whatever they want to do, irrespective of their skills. They just need to have the, good, the right mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're doing these beach cleanups. You're making the world a cleaner place one beach at a time, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And then all your adventure activities, which which are really, really great. More power to you. And I really wish you all the best for the future. Thank you so much for having me and for giving me the, the time and space to talk about all this stuff. I really hope that people can take tips, if not just you can really literally do anything you want to. Don't let anybody tell you you can't um, away from this. But thank you very much, Kinchuk. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right. Thank you. Hey, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Ad Intellect. All details to reach out to the guest, their recommended books, and any additional links have been mentioned in the show notes below. If you have any thoughts, suggestions, and feedback about this episode or the podcast in general, feel free to reach out to us on adintellect at the rate gmail.com. That is A for alpha, T for tiger, intellect at the rate gmail.com. Until next time, peace.